God. So simple. So simple that a child song has been written. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Lord, help us to get that. Help us to get that it is so much deeper than a nursery rhyme. That it is awesome. It is powerful. It is all-encompassing, all-knowing your great love. Let us receive it more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Wow. I love when those songs just take us up to the throne. Good job, guys. Well, how are you doing with Psalm 23? You doing pretty good? You memorizing it a little bit? Okay. Let, let's review the first four verses, okay? If you need to, you can look. We're not going to slap anybody's wrist. But try to do it without it if you can. Let's do it. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In today's verse, David seems to have completely shifted gears. I mean, he, it looks like he totally abandons the sheep-shepherd idea, the metaphor with that, and he replaces it with a feast metaphor. Let's read that together. Okay, verse 5, read it together. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So wait a minute here, sheep don't eat from tables. They don't drink out of cups. So what is David doing here? He's adding new elements to the picture he already started with sheep and shepherds and all that kind of stuff. But he does this very interesting, very interestingly with phrases that can be interpreted more than one way. Today's verse is about abundance, about the abundance that we can experience when we walk with our great shepherd. When you read the Bible, you see that God is generous. I mean, think about there's there's one verse that kind of brings everything about the gospel, the good news, brings it together. We see it, uh, the, the reference of it in football stadiums and baseball stadiums. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. He's generous. And he gave all of himself. Now, I'm not talking merely about Material things, although God blesses us with material things, but more importantly, God is, gener- is generous with things that really, really matter in life. He's generous with love. He's generous with mercy and compassion. He's generous with forgiveness, with joy, with power. He gives us victory after victory after victory. He pours out these things in abundance. Now, we're so used to connecting happiness with possessions that we miss out on the biggest part of God's blessings. And that's all these 
kind of almost intangible things. They're really not intangible, but sometimes they seem like it. And if, if our only clue to all this stuff is material blessings, then we miss that God has so much more for us. So today I want to take this verse 5 and break it down into these three phrases. Talk about three things. I want to talk about the table and the oil and the cup. Okay? First, let's look at the table. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, last time we talked about how during certain seasons of the year, the shepherd would lead the flock to higher ground to uh, go to better pasture land. And these high plateaus of ranges have been called by the same name for centuries. Here and in Europe and some places in Africa, they're known as mesas. And that's a Spanish word for table. For many centuries, they've been referred to in various languages as table lands. Table lands. Now, I've seen some of these. I've been over to Israel and up in the Rocky Mountains. You, you feel like you're going up and up and up. You're going to reach this peak. But instead, you reach this beautiful flat land as far as the eye can see with green grass. That's table lands. So David could be using a play on words here, but what he's trying to do is present two images. The image of a shepherd caring for his sheep and the image of God preparing a banquet for his people. Those two things in comparison. During the spring and early summer, a shepherd would visit the highlands once or twice and he'd get them ready, knowing that his flock's going to make that journey in a couple of months. He would prepare the table, so to speak, by pulling up weeds and cutting back poisonous plants that grew in the mountain ranges up there, so that when the sheep arrived, everything would be nice and ready. One time I went to a banquet, and I came up with a conclusion about this banquet thing. I, I realized all of a sudden it just came to me, that too often we misuse the word banquet. This was one of those affairs with paper plates, plastic forks, iced tea with melted ice in the cup, and everyone got the same microwave meal. There were no seconds, and dessert was wrapped in that cellophane. You've been to these before, right? Some of them are more simple than that, you know, like pizza and a piece of paper towel. Now, there's nothing wrong with that kind of a streamlined meal in groups. Sometimes it's necessary to do that. But it's just wrong to think of that as a banquet. There's something wrong with that. It's more like eating airline food without the benefit of travel. <laughs> what torture, right? <laughs> in a real banquet, you have real plates. You have real silverware, lots of food, plenty of seconds. Good for me. And the meal was prepared in a genuine oven. It wasn't nuked at the last minute out of the freezer. And the dessert is something you cannot get over there at Sheets. The problem is that many people equate the Christian life with the airline food menu. They don't even think of it as a luxurious banquet meal. We're guilty of this. 
We think that God gives us only the bare minimum, just enough so we can squeak by. Now, again, I'm not talking about material possessions. I'm talking about the emotional and spiritual quality of life we have in Jesus Christ. He's not stingy with forgiveness. He's not stingy with grace or with joy. He's not stingy with power. He's definitely not stingy with love. Oh, how he loves us. He pours out all of these things in abundance. Someone once asked me, just how happy do you think we deserve to be, David? I mean, that was a question. As if God only wants to give us a little bit of happiness. That's not how it is. You can have all the joy, all the contentment, all the peace and love that you're willing to receive. I mean, if we are Christ followers, if we've asked Christ into our heart, the Spirit, His Spirit lives in us and has all these things. So yes, we can have all of it that we want to receive. Let me get back to sheep here. As I mentioned last time, there was a journey going up to these highlands, and it was dangerous. Sometimes very dangerous. Predators existed in the mountains that weren't down in the valley. There was animals there like lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Okay, probably not tigers, but there were wolves, there were cougars and bears, of course. Modern day shepherd Philip Keller says that frequently these predators would remain on the rim rock watching every movement of the sheep, waiting for the chance to strike. And though they were always there, these predators, although they were there, these predators were helpless to make any kind of a move when the shepherd was there properly guarding the sheep. A friend of mine who used to work with uh, Secret Service, he, uh, he was receiving these death threats, work-related death threats, and they were serious enough that he was given a bodyguard and some police protection. And I asked him if he was afraid during that time. And he said, you know, strangely enough, I, I was less afraid then than I was when nothing was going on. He said he knew that there was a, a little army of people surrounding him, that their only purpose was to keep him from danger. He said, I knew as long as they were there, my enemies couldn't get to me. In the same way, we have all kinds of enemies, quote unquote, all around us. They're watching, they're waiting for the opportunity to strike. Some of these so-called enemies are people that may be trying to take your job. Maybe they're trying to beat you out at school for a position on a sports team or, or maybe on that honors list, trying to beat you out. Some people are power hungry. And they'll do anything they can to take you down. Some of our enemies aren't even people. They're spiritual beings. In fact, that's probably our greatest enemy. The Bible says just that in Ephesians. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood or people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow, that sounds scary. But we have a great shepherd, a perfect shepherd, a powerful shepherd looking out for us. And if you stay close to him, 
they won't get near you. He's close to us. The Bible says he's closer than our breath. We're protected. David said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of enemies. In the presence, right there. I mean, it's not like he says, I'll get rid of all your enemies. Now, I I don't think he's being cocky about this, but you think about that. The sheep are out there on the open land and the grass while the predators are right there around him, almost like, you know. Sometimes I wonder about that with myself. So the devil is the prince of this earth, the Bible says, but God still blesses me right in front of him. Take that, Satan. You know, isn't that amazing? Right in front of him. When, why didn't he get it? He, I don't know why he doesn't get it. Well, yeah, I do, but we won't go into that. You know what I think we need to learn to do? We need to learn to focus on the feast instead of the predators. We need to enjoy the feast. We don't need to look at our enemy. Enjoy the blessings of God in this moment instead of obsessing over every potential problem. Potential problem. There are times when I just have to tell myself, you know, I've done all that I can do. I'm trusting God to do all he can do. So I'm not going to let the fear of the unknown mess with me so I don't have any joy in my walk with God. Just not going to let that happen. Sometimes I slip, but when I come to my senses, that's the way it should be. God's preparing a table for me, blessings right in front of my enemies. I have nothing to worry about. Okay, so that's the table. Let's look at the next phrase and talk about the oil. Now, this is very symbolic. Thou anointest my head with oil. There's another danger for the sheep, and it's called the nose fly. Yuck. Okay? The nose fly does exactly what its name suggests. It tries to nest in the sheep's nose so it can lay eggs that will hatch a colony of larvae that burrow deep into the sheep's flesh and cause severe inflammation. Now, these were the nice pictures. I had some I could have shown that we would have been cleaning up the floor. Okay, I mean, this is nasty. This is horrible. When sheep have nose flies, they become agitated. They stomp their feet erratically. They even butt their heads against rocks, trying to relieve themselves of the misery. The cure for this problem, as well as the prevention, oil. The shepherd would apply oil over the sheep's head, his nose. And Philip Keller writes this, Once the oil had been applied, there was an immediate Think of that, immediate change in behavior. Gone was the aggravation. Gone the frenzy. Gone the irritability, the restlessness. Instead, the sheep would start to feed quietly, and eventually they would peacefully lay down, content. Amazing. Oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. 
You know, when we do communion, that's symbolic. It's a word picture. It's the cracker in the cup, but it's supposed to remind us of the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus. It's a great word picture to think. This is another word picture. Oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. When we allow him to anoint us with his presence, anoint means pour over. When that happens, most of those head-banging annoyances lose their significance. They lose their power to drive us to distraction. Why? Well, one, because we know God's in control. And two, because the Holy Spirit gives us enough peace, enough joy, that we just don't get stressed out about that stuff. There's other places in the Old Testament where uh, oil is talked about being used for refreshment. Like it makes our face shine. Or uh, perfume. Oil and perfume in some places is the exact same thing, you know. A sweet fragrance, you know. People didn't take baths back there all that much, so they must have needed it, okay? So there's another picture of it, a word picture. Now, here's the big one here. It was used for consecration or to set something or somebody apart for use by God, for God's purposes, For example, priests and kings and prophets were anointed with oil. Oil was poured over these people to symbolize that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, was coming over them. And they were going to have that kind of leadership, that kind of wisdom, all that God has, because the oil was representing that. In the New Testament, in James, uh, oil is talked about as part of the, the... picture of what happens when someone is prayed for. If you're sick, it says, call on the elders and they will come and pray for you and anoint you with oil. Today, that's still practiced in some circles, some churches where maybe a little olive oil is put on your forehead and elders will pray for you. Really, anybody can pray for you for that kind of thing. You know, if you're real sick, maybe you get a whole gallon dumped on you. I don't know. But it's a symbolic thing to show that the Holy Spirit is coming over you filling you. Even way back when they were building the tabernacle, the tent where they worshiped God and then later the temple, they would anoint with oil the furnishings, the utensils that were going to be used in worship just to make a picture for everybody that God's spirit was on all of this. Terry and I have done this in places we live. We, we go through the house and, or the condo or the apartment, whatever, and put a little oil over the door frame and just pray God's Holy Spirit would flood the place. We want protection. You know, all kinds of stuff can happen, so might as well do it. The symbolism behind the phrase, thou anointest my head with oil, is, is that you can be anointed by the Holy Spirit by God himself in spirit form, and that his presence in your life will protect you. That's awesome. Don't miss that one. All right, oil, now let's look at the cup. My cup runneth over. David is really saying here, I have more of God than I'm able to contain. Now, that's not a braggadocious thing. That's God's blessing. That's God's abundance. I have more blessings than room to hold those blessings. My life in God 
is a life of abundance. Sometimes we pray for things like, God, give me more love. God, give me more joy. Give me more patience. You know, people say, don't pray for patience. God will give you things to be patient about. Like it's a fear thing. Well, you know what? I could list a whole bunch of things there that I just started with. But all that stuff is the fruit of the Spirit. So if a Christ follower has the Spirit in them, then they have the fruit of the Spirit. We already have all that stuff. We don't have to pray for more love, more this, more that, okay? Even though we want it, and even though God will provide it, it's already there. It's like the guy who was sat down at the piano. There's this big, beautiful grand piano, and people had been plunking on it, you know, and not really making much music out of it. And this guy sits down, and he plays this beautiful piece, Chopin or something. And, and everybody stands around and goes, oh, you made such beautiful music. And he said, no, the music's in the piano. I just brought it out. I mean, that's what God does to us. This stuff is in us. His spirit is in us, and he'll bring it out. And it's so much more than we can even contain. It's like our brain. What do we use? Less than 10% of our brain? Some less than that. But... I mean, if we just used what we had, same way with the Spirit. I was thinking about all the areas in my life in which my cup runneth over. Here's a partial list. This is a very short list. I have a family that supports me in ministry, in life, loves me. Wow. I have more friends than I have time to spend with them. I have more music and more books in my collection than I have time to listen to or read. I've experienced more answered prayers than I can even come close to remembering. And I have been forgiven more times than I can count and definitely more times than I deserve. My cup runs over. Now, the truth is there are probably a couple of areas in our lives that aren't quite full. And we're tempted to look at that and focus our energy there, where, where things aren't. That was what our first message was about in this series. We shouldn't get in the habit of defining our lives according to what we don't have. Instead, we should make it a point every day to think about the abundance in our lives. Not just the blessings, but the abundance of those blessings. As you think about these things, you'll start to see, hey, my cup does runneth over. <laughs> you don't have to use King James Version. You can say it's running over. I'm spilling over. You know, someone reminded me of a, of a thought about this. A lot of people think that you get filled up by the Holy Spirit when you get saved and boom, you're done. And I, I once was asked that, do you believe in a one-time filling, David, or, or a second infilling? And I knew where they were coming from, so I was playing with them a little bit. And I said, well, this was actually in a job interview somewhere. <laughs> I said, uh, no, I don't believe in a second infilling. And these guys only believed in one, so they got real <sighs> sigh of relief. I said, no, I don't believe in a second. I believe in a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. Because I leak. I leak. 
I don't contain the Holy Spirit. And that's how it should be. When the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The correct transliteration of that is be ever being filled constantly. Because we need to overflow with the Spirit of God. We need to have that abundance because we should rub off on people around us. We should bless people around us because it's just coming out so much. I, I could go on and on with that one, but, but l- let me give you the application for this week. I've been closing each message with a little bit of homework. Last time it was simple. In addition to memorizing verse 4, I said as many times as you can throughout the day, and actually you had two weeks we, we took a break from Mother's Day, and you had two weeks to do this, so I hope you did it. Um, I ask you to, to say to yourself as many times during the day as you can, God is with me. Say it over and over, God is with me, God is with me. This week's assignment is to memorize verse 5. Say it as much as you can throughout the day. Say it with those other four verses. We're, we're at five now. We only have one more left. You'll have the whole 23rd Psalm memorized. Then I want you to yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Spirit of God in your life. Begin each day with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit. Don't be worried. Well, aren't we supposed to pray to the Father or in Jesus' name? It's three in one. It's a mystery. Okay? We don't understand that. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. I'm sure he'll be okay with that. All right? All right? Pray to the Holy Spirit to fill you to anoint you, to consecrate you, to refresh you, to give you strength. And then I want you to do this, and this is the fun part. Make a cup runneth over list. A cup, it's kind of like count your blessings, but even more, all right? A cup runneth over list. And, And start this early because I guess that you're going to have more and more that you see as, as you keep listing these things out. Areas in your life that you have more than enough. And for each item, make it a point to thank God. To say thank you for giving me such abundance. See, the, the biggest mistake I think we can make is think of abundance merely in terms of money or what money can buy. There are so many things in life much more important than the material things. And God is willing to give you more than you have room to hold. And he's already done it in so many ways, you're just going to have to start thinking about it and seeing it. You know what I've noticed? The more I focus on the abundance in my life, the more abundance comes my way. I don't necessarily think he's giving me more after I start thinking about it. I just start seeing it. The more I focus on abundance, the more it seems like abundance comes into my life. So I want us to uh, close today by watching a video. It's a video of a young girl who's going through the 23rd Psalm. And and she's kind of doing it from, from this side of the coin where she says, I shall not lack because, and she goes through all the the 23rd Psalm. I shall not lack because. But also think of it, I have abundance because. All right? Watch this video and let it get down in you. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall lack nothing. I shall not lack rest, because he makes me lie down in green pastures. I shall not lack peace, because he leads me beside still waters. I shall not lack protection, because he restores my soul. I shall not lack direction, because he leads me in paths of righteousness. I shall not lack courage, because though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I shall not lack companionship, because you are with me. I shall not lack comfort, because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I shall not lack honor, because you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not lack power, because you anoint my head with oil. I shall not lack abundance, because my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I shall not lack hope, because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, we thank you for all the blessings you've given us, Lord. And I know we, we take them for granted sometimes and uh, don't think about all of the, the blessings you've given us, all the good things you've given us, Lord. I just pray that in this coming week, we would all take a few minutes each day just to thank you and, and to look around us and be aware of all of the things that you're putting into our cup and, and how blessed we truly are, if for no other reason, reason just for the sheer fact that, that you love us, that you have chosen to love us, Lord. And I just pray that we would keep that in mind this week and that in a powerful way we would just, people all around us will be able to see your abundance living in us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to thank you guys for coming out today. I know your cup runneth over, my cup runneth over too. Let's celebrate some easy living this week. God bless you guys.